Welcome to Northside Community Church. We believe that our mission is to impact the community in a positive way by speaking and living out the good news of Jesus. We hope that you will enjoy this message today. Good afternoon. <laughs> wow, I like the way you guys do things. I mean, it was like a quarter to 12 and we said, it's time for tea. And I looked at my watch, I said, honey, it's time for lunch. <laughs> and, uh, but I like this, tea, because sometimes these things, you know, they push lunch back. But uh, in America, we get no tea. <laughs> you just go hungry. Uh, but I think, am I right that I'm the only thing standing between them and lunch? Is that true? <laughs> That's a horrible place to be. <laughs> hey, any... Uh, Jack Hayford fans in here? Anybody? Have you heard of him? <laughs> well, I didn't bring many, but uh, after Pastor Jack passed away, so many denominations, organizations reached out and said he was special to us. One of those is Charisma Magazine. Charisma, of course, spirit-filled organization and such, but, uh, in fact, let me just tell you something funny quick. Kimberly and I had the privilege of going to a private uh, little memorial for family and close friends before the bigger one for Pastor Jack. And we were there, and all the, the children of Pastor Jack spoke. Well, Jack Hayford III got up to say something, which you don't always hear from Pastor Jack's sons because they lived up north. They weren't involved in the ministry and such, but they're good people. But he got up and he said, well, thank you all for coming. And it's wonderful. And he said, and so many people have been reaching out. He said, I did want to mention that I was reading a Charisma article on my dad. And he said, so honoring. And he said, I loved it. He said, but there's one particular line that just stands out to me. And it said, there'll never be another Jack Hayford. <laughs> And of course, the place came unglued and it sort of broke the ice and such. But, uh, but Stephen Strang, the founder and CEO of Charisma, he has said for many years that Jack Hayford is the gold standard of Pentecostals. And so when, uh, when they came out with this article after he passed away, this thing is full of Jack Hayford, uh, articles about him and telling about him and some of his articles and such. I wish I had brought some for all of you, but I didn't own that many. But when it came out, I thought, you know, Amy is, uh, of course, our founder and such, uh, and we've had many heroes in Foursquare, but this is certainly one of our champions, right? The Lord used him to go trans-denominationally, uh, especially with being spirit-filled. So, It'd be terrible. I would not want to say no to any of you, so I'm going to give these to Don. <laughs> and let him say yes and no, no. But he, uh, Some of you would be very close. Everybody that knows of him would love him, but some of you have really been, no doubt, touched by his ministry, and so you may want to go and appeal to Don there. Kimberly's right. We love this country. We love this country. Let me turn this volume off. And... Uh, there's something there's something happening here. There's something special about this. I do like a lot of the things you do, like this tea thing. I like that. 
I like that. I mean, it, it's just extra meals, you know, during the day. I really like that. But you're not, you know, you don't look American. You look still, you know, in good shape. <laughs> so I'm not sure how you do that. Maybe it's the wrestling, the alligators and, uh, you know, crocodiles or whatever you got down here and such. But I love it. And um, love the everything, the spirit here. All of you are so wonderful. And it's a beautiful place. We love it. And I did mention to you last night that I've been to the east side over there. And I love that side over there. You know, there's a beauty to it. But there's something of the spirit of God when I come over here. There's something stirring. There's something, you know, we're poised. And where's uh, Melissa that spoke with Kids Hope? She might not be here. Is she... Did she leave? Did we, were we able to get rid of her? <laughs> no, she, uh, boy, she brought a, quite a message, didn't she? And so if anybody has contact with her, I tell you, I just feel like the Lord wanted to say to her that the grace on her is larger than kids hope. There's a grace on her to minister the word. And then Robin that stood up here to, to lead in prayer over the board. Boy, I, I just... I just thought, ooh, there's a, an example of a true biblical elder right there. Wow, I know why Don invited him to do that. And, uh, and then Chris, you know, these videos you, sh you showed up here. I was thinking, I got to get a video. Boy, <laughs> we're 43 days into it and I don't have a video yet. I got to get a video. But I love what Chris said. You know, there, there's no... Do you use this expression, silver bullet? Do you use that expression? Uh, there's, there's no one approach that reaches everybody in the nations. God has other, many things that he does. And so thank the Lord that we just don't have to compete. We just come and say, hey, here's what it is. And so the Lord is good, isn't he? So Don, thank you for this invitation and this privilege of being here. Oh, let me just say, Jessica, wave your hand. Jessica is, uh, she's a missionary. She and her husband, her family to New Zealand. They're in Nelson, New Zealand now. But she is a partner of Kimberly's and mine uh, to help bring discipleship to ministers, to churches, and to help them do what the Lord has called them to do. This is just something that we're called to do and she does that and really plays a role internationally uh, global for us uh, she's really focused on the south pacific okay here we go lord thank you for the word of god today lord with all the many things that are in my heart and mind sort those out and say only and exactly what you want to say in jesus name amen I want to start in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 28. By the way, I like that ministry, disciple. Man, it doesn't get any more clear than that, right? Disciple. I like that. Uh, but I want to start in Matthew 28. And I like to read it from the NIV because instead of using the word observe, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, which can mean to see, the NIV says to obey because that's really what observe means. Observe the law. Observe. God is saying, no, obey it. You, you observe it like you practice it, right? And so 
From the NIV, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice again, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now I just want to point out some obvious things that we all know, but we don't always think about. By the way, Don, thank you for bringing in that comedian that was here today, too. Man, I, I like that Jeff guy. I didn't understand everything he said, but he made me laugh. I like that guy. I like that guy. Wow. So Jesus said, therefore, go make disciples. Notice he didn't say, go be disciples. He didn't say, go be disciples. He said, go make disciples. Now, why did he skip being discipled? Because part of your discipleship is making discipleship, is making disciples. Until you're making disciples, you're not fully a disciple. From the very beginning, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. He didn't say, I'll make you a great follower. I'll make you a great disciple. No, he said, I'm going to make you a disciple maker. You're in training to be a disciple maker. You can be discipled for the rest of eternity, but you only can be a disciple maker while you're here. We have to get you on this path to making disciples, and for the rest of eternity, you'll learn more, you'll grow, you'll be informed and understand. But right now, you have to make disciples as fast as you can because that window of opportunity is closing. We don't need to make disciples in heaven. We need to make them right here. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And this is the way we have to think. It's not about just bringing people into church and teaching them and informing them and making them good Christians. No, we have to make them disciple makers. They must start making disciples. This is the way that Jesus trained his people. In fact, you remember in Luke chapter 6, the Bible, it's a very interesting passage that we all sort of love. It says, and Jesus went out to the mountain to pray. And he continued all night in prayer. Do you remember the passage? And he continued. It didn't say he went out to pray all night. It just he said he went out to pray and didn't stop. He continued all night in prayer. And in the morning, he called all of his disciples to him. Not talking about the 12. Called all of his disciples to, to him. And from them, he chose the 12. Listen to this. Whom he also called apostles. What does apostle mean? Sent. He chose the 12 whom he also called, I'm sending you. I'm choosing you to send you. I'm choosing you to send you. We have to change our thought about what a disciple is. A disciple is not a sponge to soak up all of the word of God and just to hold it. And maybe next Sunday, get a little more. <laughs> no, this is not the way Jesus thought and it's not the way we should think we are equipping people yes to be free and delivered but to go and how long does it take for them to go when I looked at this passage in Luke because Luke wrote chronologically when I looked at this passage in Luke well 
That's chapter 6, that he chose them. And then in chapter 9, he sent them out. And from the timeline that I can see there, he chose them in the summer, come be with me. Pulled them out from among the crowd. You're the 12 that are going to be with me. And then somewhere in the fall, he sends them. This is not four years of Bible college. How long does it take to watch me, to listen, and to start practicing? Because you're not there yet, but you can start practicing. Not just learning, 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 but then you get out of Bible college like so many people and you do nothing because you're scared because you don't know how to do it. You just learned it, but you don't know how to do it. Jesus got them doing it right away. Amen. So, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that includes what I'm commanding you right now, to go make disciples of all the nations. Isn't that right? So, when we're discipling people, we have to train them to go do it. But we should be completely satisfied and, oh, what's a stronger word than dissatisfied? We should completely refuse to accept us talking about things here and not doing it. Church can be just, we talk about all kinds of good things and it feels so good right there, but we don't do it. We should be completely intolerant. That's the word I was looking for. Intolerant of that. Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything I've commanded you. And so he said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers men. And this is what, one thing I love about Jesus. Jesus didn't say, follow me and you need to figure out how to become a fisher of men. He said, follow me. I will make you one, but you got to follow me. You got to do what I tell you to do, but I'll make you a fisher of men. Now he's talking to fishermen. Just picture Peter and Andrew here. They got their boats, they're, they're with their nets, and Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Now just, you're there on the lake, at the shore, and Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. And you glance over at your brother, you glance down at these nets, what is he saying? What is he asking us to do? Jeff talked about risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's what he was asking him to do. Will you follow me? Well, we, we don't know what you're even talking about. What do you mean fishers of men? I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. And I tell you what, <laughs> the Lord is saying that today. In fact, I'll tell you something the Lord said here with a, with a smile. You know how you can sometimes tell the, the tone of what, the way God says something? But I heard the Lord say right down here, you don't believe me, do you? You don't believe that if you follow me and do what I'm telling you to do right now, that I'll really make it work. But I will. And you're not too old. And you're not too young. And you're not too busy. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men.
I believe with all of my heart, and I don't know who you are, but I believe that there are some people in here, including some pastoral leaders, that if you would follow Jesus, within a year, you would be reaching 10 or 50 or 100 times the people that you're reaching right now. And not because you overwork yourself, but because Jesus just knows something about fishing. And he told Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Well, Lord, let me explain this to you. See, right now, this is not the good time because just last night, we've been working. I mean, we've been really working and it just, it's not a good time right now. He tried to explain that to Jesus, didn't he? But how many of you know, when Jesus speaks, that's the time, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter what the natural says or what happened last night or last year or this last season, that none of that matters. When you hear the Lord, it's like, that's the time. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. That's the right question, isn't it? If it's you, tell me to come. I'll come if it's you. And that's, I, Jeff said that too. I just need to know that it's you. If it's you, and I hope some of you are asking that, Lord, if what I'm hearing at this conference is you, just let me know it's you. And if it's you, I will come. I will do it. I'll step out. And it'll make all the difference in the world. Now, I, I want to get something out of the way, and it sounds kind of interesting, but I told you I'd tell you about Jesus' disciple, this new discipleship system. And let me just say, when I was 26 years old, my life had been so changed by discipleship that I had become a youth pastor and I was looking for discipleship material all over because normal curricula is not good discipleship. And so eventually I just wrote a five-level discipleship system for our youth and, and discipled hundreds of teenagers with this. And then when I became a senior pastor, three years into it, I felt the Holy Spirit impressed me and we developed OSL. And then... Uh, 12 years later, after, well, no, years later, 12 years later, it was 12 years from the first discipleship to OSL. 20 years later, the Lord began to impress me, actually 17 years into it, that, oh, we need something different for this new age. And here's the thing. If you just disciple people at church, How are you going to disciple the nations? Because the nations are not at church. They, there may be a representation of nations at church. But the people are not here. And this is why Jesus didn't say, tell them to come be discipled. Because he knows they're not all coming. He said, go make disciples. And so we began researching and such. And um, you see Jesus' disciple here. But go back to the... Psalm 1 passage, would you, Nat? By the way, Nat back here, she's just talking. Do you guys have Nats here? You have Nats? Yeah, insects, right? Yeah. That's the only Nat I've ever met that I liked right there, that one back there. I detest all other Nats, okay? But that one right there, that's, that's a great Nat back there. She's a brilliant servant of God. Okay, look at this. Jesus said, 
Jesus told us what discipleship was in, in John 8, 31 and 32. He said, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you continue in my word, not if you visit it. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free if you continue in it. And Psalm 1 explains this to us. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man. Honey, hand, hand me your phone since you're doing your Facebook. Um, she doesn't even use Facebook. I'm joking. She's, um, we have more counsel of the ungodly today than ever in history. Would you agree with that? We are bombarded. We can't even stand in a line anywhere and just wait. No, no, we got to pull out our phone and let me get a little more counsel of the ungodly here. We are, we are bombarded with the counsel of the ungodly here. <laughs> How many of you know it's a husband's job to freak his wife out? On occasion, isn't that right? <laughs> That's just part of the role. Don, is that true? Yeah, it just, it just comes with it. Okay, to a point, to a point. <laughs> Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And ungodly counsel is not all perverse. It's not all sexually perverse. It's not all wicked. But it's ungodly. It's not the right worldview. It's not God's perspective. It's not God's word. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in that. But it goes on to say, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word, the Bible. And in his law, listen to this, he meditates day and night. That's not Sundays. This is what Jesus said. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. Day and night. How do we train people to do that? How do we train people to continue in it day and night? Because I tell you what, this Sunday thing did, was not working for me. When I was a teenager, I was raised in a Christian home. I love Jesus. I've never not served Jesus. I've never walked away from Jesus. I always wanted to be a believer. I love Jesus. It was always precious to me. Never. But I started getting out, going to public high school, being on the football team, American football, being on the wrestling team, listening to all the talk in the locker room, all these guys talking perverse talk, what I did with my lady last night, and I mean, they got graphic, perverse, and words paint pictures. I wasn't doing all that stuff they were doing. I wasn't going, looking at magazines and all that stuff, but I'm just around them. The counsel of the ungodly, I'm just hearing the world talk. And I could say, well, I'm not doing any of that. No, but I'm there. And guess what? Those words are going into my ears, painting pictures in my mind, dropping down into my heart, and growing, and being watered daily. And before you know it, it's those thorns that choke the word. So the little bit of word I was getting on the weekends, oh, that just got choked out on Monday. And then Tuesday, here's more, more, more. And this is, this is our society, this is our children. And, and in our day and age, I mean, you pay, I don't know what you call it here, but people 
or satellite TV, you make sure to pay to pipe the filth of the world into your home. You gotta, you, you gotta call and say, oh no, I need the upgraded packages with all the extra movies, with the extra cursing and, and sexuality. I, I, yeah, I, how much does that cost? Oh, I need that too. I need that, I need that. And so people, this is what they do. They pipe, they pay to pipe the sewage of the world into their very homes. And in the privacy of their homes, it's just filling their hearts and filling their hearts and filling their hearts. Even Christians who, well, they don't want to do anything bad, but nonetheless, you know, you'll hear this. Well, you can't avoid everything because that's just the way of the world and such. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be the way of your heart because it gets in there and before you know it, now you're thinking those perverse thoughts and thinking those perverse words and the way of the world. So it's a counsel. That's not a disciple of Jesus. That is not the blessed man. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, but his delights in the law of the Lord. And so I found myself as high schooler, graduating high school, that loves Jesus. I'm still in church. I carried my Bible to school in my bag every day. But I was completely bound with a spirit of lust. And I hated it. I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I've got two lives. One that I want people to see and know about and one that I don't want anybody to know about. And it was wrong and I knew it was wrong. And I tried to stop and I couldn't stop because I was bound with these spirits. And these things had gotten in my heart by the things that I heard. And then of course, the things you see because the world shows you things. And now here I am, I'm bound, and here I am in church. And when they had an altar call, if you feel like you need to get right with the Lord, I'm there, but I'm still bound. And somebody preached a good message and, oh, it's so good. But you know, if in your heart, your heart is so deep, if in your heart you have a big, say, I don't know, we have gallons. Do you have gallons here? Leaders, do you have leaders? Okay. What, what's, what are those big buckets? How, 10 liters or what would that be? 20 liter. Okay, 20 liters. You've got a big 20 liter bucket inside your heart. And if you're filling that up with the sewage of the world and compromising and that stuff's going in there and going in there and going in there, well, then you come on Sunday and you get a nice, oh, some fresh water of the word. Oh, it feels so refreshing. Oh, you just feel like, oh, that's so good. That's what I need right there. You just feel so good. Pastor, that was a good message. And it makes the pastor feel really good. Oh, yeah, I knew it was good. I just felt, you know, the touch of the Holy Spirit on that, and that's all good. But that cannot do anything to flesh this 20-liter bucket out. That just on the top just makes it feel a little fresher. And oh, it is, and it's good. But what are we going to do with all this? Because tomorrow, I'm back to pouring the sewage in again. In fact, years ago, this is about 20 years ago, I saw a survey, a study that said that the number one time in America for people watching pornography online, this must have been 15 years ago, was Sunday night. Number one. And I don't think that's a big surprise, spiritually. And I knew I was in trouble. I knew, I'm just a teenager still, but I knew being raised in church, the fear of God was in me. If I don't get from this, this is going to destroy me. 
This is going to destroy my future marriage. It's already just destroyed my confidence. This will destroy any ministry opportunity that I have. And even if I, God did use me, eventually I'll be exposed, be embarrassed. See, I knew I, I got to have something. So I began to seek the Lord and call upon him. And over time, he began to teach me that. Son, you got to cut this off. You have to stop that. Close it off. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Remember that song? My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And I began to cling to these things, and I shut off secular music. Boy, secular music, I tell you what, not all of it's wicked, but so much of it is sensual. Tonight's the night we'll make history. Are, are they going to play Monopoly? What, what history are they going to make tonight? And there, somebody says, just music. But it's not just music. It's words that are painting pictures about things. And many times things we're trying to be free from. And I just had to cut all that off and say, no, no, I'm not watching movies right now. I'm going to spend my time in God's word, listening to the word of God, reading the word of God and such. And it didn't happen overnight. But let me tell you, over a number of months, I got completely delivered from the spirit of lust. Oh, it's like instead of just, you know, a glass of water once a week, oh, it's just bring out the fire hose. I mean, just point it right in there at your heart. And it gets messy for a while. <laughs> but I tell you what, after a while, it just flushed everything out. And you just feel so pure inside. The word of God just does that for us. The washing of the water of the word. But we have to not just equal how much ungodly counsel we bring in with the word. Oh, we have to bring the counsel of the ungodly way down and the word way up. And let me tell you what Psalm says. Psalm says, that person will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth, will bring forth it's fruit in its season, isn't that right? And his leaf won't wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Oh, this is a key to fruitfulness in ministry. Oh, yeah, let me tell you, whatever you do, when you're full of the word of God, it changes you. It changes you. Okay, I'm supposed to be talking about this. Let me get through this. Okay, go to that Jesus disciple slide. Now, I want to show you this because all of this, discipleship. This is what we're bringing people to. We're bringing them to the word. It's the word of God that changes, not a program. It's the word of God that changes them. So this is designed to fill them with the word of God and then train them to go help other people to be discipled and to be filled with the word of God. So it's not designed just to bring everybody into one group and we just disciple people and that's it. No, but it's making everybody a disciple maker, but at the same time filling them with the word. Okay, so Jesus' disciple. So go to the next slide. Let's see. Okay. 
OSL has five levels. Well, we, we, we're going after the young. So we began to consider gamifying this, not to make it cutesy, but just to, to begin to relate to a video game generation. So this is not just for young people, it's for everybody, but we have territories. And every territory is about Jesus. Jesus love, Jesus power, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's, that's who Jesus was empowered by. Jesus word, Jesus ministry, Jesus prayers to teach people the prayer life of Jesus, Jesus gifts, the fivefold ministry of Jesus, Jesus church, where we teach them that church is not just in a building, but you read the Bible in the book of Acts and you'll find out there were no buildings for church. They were all in homes. And if we're going to reach the world, we can't wait on buildings. In fact, I was sitting with one of our four score denominational leaders in Central America. And, and there were some others there as well. But I shared this whole thing. And you know what he said? He said, this is an answer to prayer. He said, I've cast a vision to our, our people, the four square people there. He said, I've cast a vision that we want to plant 400 new churches in the next five years. He said, but I've been telling our pastors, we can't wait on buildings. They're too expensive and they're too slow. We've got to reach this nation. We've got to make disciples and plant churches. So he said, this is an answer to prayer. So he said, we need to have you come and do training on this, on this system, because he said, this is exactly what we sense, okay? So, uh, so we teach people what church is about. And it's the same thing we always learn, but you don't have to necessarily have a stage and a sound system and such, but we do all the normal things. We do the word and we do communion, the Lord's Supper together, right? We pray, we worship the Lord and it's church and it's meaningful, but it's different than the way we've always done it, or most of us. And then Jesus commissioned. Okay, next slide. So uh, here's what we do. We gather together every week. By the way, this is not a church, what I'm making right now. This is a discipleship group. This is a pre-church, a discipleship group. Jesus gathered the 12, and they became, I believe Jesus and the 12 became a church. But at first, it's a discipleship group. It's all him pouring into them. But eventually, they stepped up. And they began to minister with him. Isn't that right? He sent him out in his name, casting out demons and healing the sick. Oh, that's not, you're not just a disciple now. You guys are a ministry team. You're a church, okay? So, but we gather together and we walk through a simple agenda. We open up the scriptures and we begin to discuss the passages. Some of the people that come into these discipleship groups are not even saved yet. And you'll find them, they're reading and they're saying, yeah, I think what Jesus is saying is, and it's like, you've never said that in your whole life. <laughs> but they're doing it. You know why? Because people are hungry. There are people who are hungry. And so we walk through this uh, in the weekly gatherings, a little agenda. Go to the next slide, Nat. And then there are five discipleship activities. And here, remember, teaching them to obey, Right? In church, I'm a pastor for a long time, so I'm not indicting any pastors. I'm just talking about all of us. We're good at teaching people to know things. But Jesus said, but teach them to obey. And so what we do is we just put a simple checklist in front of them and say, hey, let's, let's read our Bibles every day. And here's what to read. And when you read it that day, check it off. And that way you know. You know what the Bible says? Write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. Isn't that right? Just put the vision right there. 
so that they can see what to do. And I, I've learned that over the years, and this is the America, but many pastors don't have the confidence to ask people to do it. And if they don't think the majority of people will do it, they don't want to ask anybody to do it. But I've learned, no, many are called, but few are chosen. Even if the majority won't do it, ask. Because why? Because this is what the Bible says to do. And what we found is, man, when I first started OSL, we launched with 25 people. And we, had, by that time, had four or 500 people in our church. But only 25? I mean, I announced this for weeks, and only 25 came? And I said, man, this will change your life. I gave them everything that I had. 25. But guess what? Those 25 were so deeply impacted that we immediately launched another level one. And guess what? We had more than 25. You know why? Because these impacted people told other people, oh, you got to get in there. You got to get in there. And eventually it started going to cousins and people out in the community that weren't even saved. And they would cuss at their relatives and say, you need to blankety blank, get into that class because you're blanked up. <laughs> no, they tell them. They tell them, you need this. You need this. See, and so when you call people to do things that change them deeply, impacted people impact other people. So that's why we can't just let the lowest common de denominator, you know, the, the least committed person be our guide to what we should do. We got to make disciples. And if not everybody follows along, that's okay, but let's, let's disciple those that do. Okay, so we put this checklist in front of them. Okay, go to the next slide. And then um, we, we teach them starting a group is simple. We just put it out in front of them. We put a button right there, create a group, just click it. Well, I don't even know who I'm going to invite. Well, just click it. Name it. Just, just register it. And then what we do is we pull up. Maybe, maybe it's the next. Let's see. No, it's not. Uh, that's why I need the video, Chris. <laughs> once, once you create your group and you hit create group, then it brings up a screen and says, okay, here's a link to invite people to join the group. And so it just guides people along to invite people. Well, let's see who am I going to invite and such. Let me finish this. I got a couple stories that I'll close with. Okay, next slide, Nat. And then, oh, becoming a network. I, I think I mentioned to you that we, we designed this. This is something the Lord put in my heart. And I think it might go with, Robin, this word that you gave with this ark. Because, you know, our, our churches in the world are vulnerable right now. And I don't mean vulnerable that Jesus is not protecting us because Jesus protects us. It's not really the church that's vulnerable. It's the model of church that's vulnerable. And we saw this in COVID, just like that. Our model was unsustainable for that period of time. And we had to go online and had to, nav had to scramble and upgrade our systems online or whatever, right? The model is vulnerable, not the church, the model. But we're so dependent on the model. See, and so I believe with all of my heart that the Lord has given us a window of opportunity here, showing us how to not depend on this one boat but to walk on water and do things that we've never done before, use technology and begin to see things happen in homes so that, hey, you take away this one boat called a building, that doesn't take away our ministry. Oh, yeah, we're ministering to people. We've got connection with them. Oh, yeah, the church is still intact. And I, I really believe that the Lord is doing that kind of thing, but I'm not trying to predict anything either. That's not my message. But nonetheless, to become a network means 
that you get to have people come to the site here, but everybody that creates a group and joins and multiplies and invites people, it all happens within your network. So you get to communicate with those people and you get to track how many new disciples do we have? How many new groups do we have? How many new house churches do we have? And communicate and post a video to them and so on because the Apostle Paul has to write letters when he's not there, isn't that right? This is the way the Bible shows us to do it, but we have other technology than writing on parchment with dipping in ink, right? We have other technology, but it's the same principle. It's the same thing the Bible shows us. So, okay, uh, so anyway, we really believe that, that the networks is something of the Lord that will just help people, give them a tool to do what the Lord has already called them to do. We can't change people's callings, but we equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? Okay, so the next slide, this just, oh, go back to that other one that had the 653. This is, this is where we are now. 653 groups have been created in 33 countries. So I told you 31 last night, but somewhere between last night and tonight, two more countries jumped on board. I have no idea where they are. I haven't researched this. I'm just telling you that there's a big world out there and we are not as limited as we think. Sometimes you just need to cast your bread on the water and trust the Lord. Okay, so I'm ready, Nat. Uh, go to the next slide because uh, this started network, you know, we have lots of non-pastors uh, here and such, and I'm not trying to uh, invite people to start networks. You know, we, we really want to ask the pastors and leaders to say, pray, and you do whatever the Lord says to do. We have lots of options, and this is just one option. This one is outside of the church building very quickly. So if that's something you don't feel like the Lord wants you to do, then maybe one of these other options would be better for you, OSL or the disciple or whatever, because, uh, because maybe that fits that model better. This one very quickly encourages people and trains them to go make disciples off campus. Their schools, their workplaces, their neighborhoods, finding unbelievers, sharing their story, gathering groups together, and making disciples. But our encouragement is don't let them be independent. Shepherd them. Connect with them. And that's what this is designed to do. Okay, if you'd, if you'd like to follow along and you're interested in this, even if you're not ready to pull the trigger on something like this, but something catches your attention, then I'd encourage you to get on our list so that when, as we're updating people, we'll just keep you apprised. And so you can get on the list. Or you can see Jessica over here, and she'll help you get on the list as well. Let's see, is that the end, Nat? Oh, yeah, go on. Is that the end? Okay, good. Okay, so I kind of, I'm not trying to get it over with, but I got a few things to share with you that I'm more, I, I'm a teacher of the word. And so I'm not a salesperson. That's just not me. So I spend so much time developing this so that people can get the word into people. But that's what I'm excited about because that's what I know works. That's what changed my life, the word of God. And so let me share a few things with you. Kimberly and I moved to a new community, new city, a little over two years ago, June of 2021. And we got settled in there. And I remember one morning, I got up and I made some coffee. Every morning, I make the Lord a cup of coffee. And uh, he told me, I don't drink tea, I drink coffee. No, he didn't tell me that. But he's so nice, I'll make him a cup of coffee. And he says, why don't you drink it today? I said, okay, Lord, okay. And so I was standing, I was looking out the window, out, out at the neighborhood, you can see, and, and we're positioned on a corner to where you can see across the street both ways, but then you can see down the street and there's a park there and other homes there. 
and I was standing there w- with my coffee and the love of Jesus for my neighborhood started swelling up in me. And we're in this new neighborhood. And so I began to pray, Lord, give me this neighborhood. And I just began to, you know, when you're full of the Spirit, you have the, the Holy Spirit's thoughts. You know, the Holy Spirit, when you get born again, this is a different distinction between what many people, Baptists and things, believe and what we know to be true. And that is, when you get born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. He's down in your spirit. But in your spirit is not full. That's just one container. That's your born again container. But you've got other containers that need to be filled with the Spirit. Your soul needs to be filled with the Spirit. Your mind needs to be full of the Spirit. Your emotions need to be full of the Spirit. Isn't that right? And when you're full of the Spirit, you feel the heart of God. Your motives are the heart of God. Your thought process is the heart of God because you're thinking that way because you're full of the Holy Spirit. And I began to swell up and be full of the Holy Spirit and sense the heart of Jesus. And I began to think this. I'm convinced most of my neighborhood is on their way to hell. Fast. I'm convinced most, I'll bet you 90 plus percent of my neighborhood don't know Jesus. And here I am now living right in the middle of this neighborhood. And I have the answer that they need. And can I be content? You know, so many of us, we come, we click our garage door opener, pull right in, close that thing down, don't have to talk to anybody. And I just had this strong feeling like, how can this be that I'm living here and all these people need what I have, but I just drive two miles away to a church and stand on a platform and talk to the people when my neighborhood doesn't come to that church. We've been trying to get them to come two miles away for a long time. And most people, 99% of the people don't come. And here I am looking out and I just know this is not right. It's not the right way to think that I just do ministry over there. No, I have the answer right here. I have the light in the midst of darkness. And I began to call out to the Lord, Lord, give me this. I called it, call it Colony Park. That's the name of our neighborhood. Lord, I, I pray for Colony Park. You said, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. I asked for Colony Park. Lord, give, give me Colony Park in Jesus' name. And so, a few mornings went on, and I, I continued to pray over Colony Park. And then this thought hit me. You know, every Christmas Eve at the campus, in fact, all, most of our campuses, we would do Christmas Eve candlelight services where we read the Christmas story and sing the carols. People love hearing the Christmas story straight from the Bible. They love it. It warms your heart and lets you know the love of God. And I thought, you know, I, you know, I wrote that whole thing with the Christmas carols put in and all. I said, I could take that thing and I could, I could do it right in that park right there and invite all the neighbors to come. Get a little sound system out there and do it. And then I had this thought, you know, we got all these house churches out here. What if I just put this online and made it available to all of them? So we did. And we announced it to all the house church leaders. Guess what? We had 33 outside of a church building Christmas Eve candlelight Christmas story events. And one of them was in our neighborhood right down there at the park that I could see from my window. And I wanted everybody to come, but they didn't. We had a little over 100 people come to ours. And you know, you have this in your mind, like, oh, they're gonna be right there. 
and we're telling this story and singing the songs and they'll just be, oh, that's just so good and everything. We made the mistake, we put the hot chocolate table like about, like about, well, I was gonna say how many feet, but you guys don't know what feet and yards are, do you? Man, when is the rest of the world gonna get on the American system? <laughs> well, it must have been, let me think, in meters, it must have been 40 meters away. And guess what? The crowd is standing back there. And the children came close because we were giving gifts away and things. But we just said, well, hey, look, the word is the word. They can hear it, right? And so we did that, and we, at the end, we announced, if anybody would like to join a Bible study, we're going to start in January some Bible studies. If anybody, like, here's what you do and such, and guess what? One person responded to that. One. I was so disappointed. And that one person is already a believer <laughs> and already attends a church and is deeply committed. And so... Part of you just doesn't, ah, we're not even going to do it then. One person, and it's a believer, we're trying to reach the unbelievers. But, you know, you can't not respond, right? You have to respond. So we started emailing back and forth to Mary, and Mary was saying, oh, yeah, I can't do it that day, and this and that. Well, I was thinking, I can't do it. I can't work around your schedule. I'm busy. And so we just, and then, and then we were trying to go back and forth. Well, can we do this and that? And then nothing from Mary. She just stopped. Stop responding. And I thought, oh my goodness, we lost the one fish we had on the hook, right? <laughs> a Christian fish. Can't even hook a Christian fish. <laughs> but then a couple of weeks later, Mary responded back and Mary said, oh, sorry, I was on vacation. We we're out of town and, you know, we're back and everything. We still want to do it. So guess what we did? And that, that started a house church in our house. And so, yeah, we pastor a campus over there and we've got campuses all over and we've got house churches. But, you know, my wife said, do we have time for this? Honey, should we do this? And I said, we need to do this. We can't lead people to do things we won't do. And so we got this little house church, and we were praying and training them and, and praying, Lord, give us an inroad into this community because everybody in our house church is believers. Lord, give us an inroad. And one day, Mary, that one person, now we got about eight, ten people in our house. One day Mary said, hey, I wanted to bring up to you guys, you know, I've got a neighbor over here that lives by me, and she put out a little Facebook ad, and she said, hey, my son is starting high school, and uh, I can't take him to school because I work a distance away. Can anyone help and bring him, take him to school? And she said, I just wondered if that's something that we should help with. Oh, and something in my heart, oh. Lord, I've been praying for an opportunity. Here's an unsaved family. And so I said, well, let's, let's see if we can meet them. And so when she talked to the neighbor and told her, the neighbor said, oh, she's Vietnamese. She said, tell them to come for dinner. Well, I've been reading from Jesus. Jesus said, go somewhere and, and whoever lets you into their house. Jesus did not teach us to invite people to our house. Jesus taught us to work our way into their house. See, the gospel's already in our house. We need new embassies of the kingdom. So he taught us how to work our way into other people's house. Remember Zacchaeus up in the tree? Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house. Remember Matthew, the tax collector? Come, follow me. We're going to your house to eat tonight. Because unbelievers always have unbelieving friends. Otherwise, we're just a big bubble, right? 
And so we go there, we, we talk about it, and we say, yeah, you know, okay, uh, I can take them on Tuesday, Kimberly can take them on Friday, Mary can take them on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we worked it all out. This family was not in a church, Jesus, nothing. And so we started taking this 14-year-old kid, and of course, start talking to him. And he wasn't talkative, he had his headphones in. <laughs> I'm taking him to school, I was like, I'm trying to get the gospel of this guy, and he's got his headphones in. So I'm trying to be gentle, you know, you're listening to something or whatever, you know. But over time, just saying little things here and there. And then he said, I'm joining the basketball team. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I said, I used to love basketball. He said, we should play one-on-one. And my spirit said, there's an opportunity. And my mind said, I don't want to go play basketball. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, there are two lives in here. One is selfish, and the other one is like Jesus. And I said, that'd be great. (laughs) And so we go to play basketball, but I told him, hey, you know what? I said, let's play basketball. Then we'll go to Starbucks and we'll get something to drink and and we can can maybe read a chapter of the Bible. That'd be okay. Do you think that'd be okay with your mom? I think so. I said, well, maybe you can ask her. And so we did. We went and played basketball and then we went and got something to drink. We read a chapter of the Bible and I, I had him a Bible there and such. He, I mean, knows nothing about the Bible. And so I opened him up to the 15th chapter of Luke to read, actually, to the Good Samaritan story. And so, uh, is that what the one I read? No, no, no. The prodigal son. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, who said that? Who, how did you know that? Word of knowledge. So word of knowledge right there. So we read the prodigal son together. But I'm ready for a nice, good, juicy, deep conversation. And he said, what's this, what's this Levitic, Levitic, what, what's, I'm like, oh, no, don't go searching all around, Dora the Explorer, you know. (laughs) No, we're talking about the prodigal son, right? But he's just flipping all around. What's this and what's, what's that over there? And I don't understand how this works, you know, what's it do to, do to, do to run, do to, you know, what's, don't worry about it, you know, just stay with the prodigal son, you know, but they don't. They don't. People just, you know, they are where they are. But then we got together again, and I got him a Bible. We got together again, and then I, I w- the third time, I, we went to a Chipotle. I don't know if you guys have Chipotles out here, but it's a little good restaurant, and so we went, and I said, hey, uh, you got, I said, you can apps on your phone, right? Yeah. I said, do you have a Bible app on your phone? No. I said, oh man, there's a cool one called a Version Bible app. And I said, we actually have some Bible reading programs that we put on there. So I helped him download it, got one of the, got the New Testament plan on there that we do. And you read a New Testament chapter. And then the second part of it is you write down what you got from the Lord, from the Word. And guess what? That 14-year-old started reading his Bible every day and writing what part of the chapter he learned something from. And guess what? I, I shared it with Kimberly about two, two or three months into it. I said, Kimberly, look at this post. And it was Paul talking about the gospel. And he wrote, I never heard the gospel before until Jerry shared it with me. And maybe he never would have unless this pastor can get out of his building and off his stage and lift up his eyes and look 
at the fields that are already white for harvest. And when we're ready to beta test Jesus' disciple, I just asked him, hey, I got this thing, you know, for five weeks, and uh, we'll get together every week. We, you want to do it? It's the summertime? Okay. He never seems excited about anything. <laughs> okay. So I, I got another high, school from our, high schooler from our church that goes to his high school, and I said, will you do this? Because you're a believer, you know, but I want to connect him with some other high schoolers. So, so he came in and did it. This 14-year-old who had never heard the gospel, his family, there's no encouragement for this. If anything, a discouragement to get involved with religion. He did so much better than the Christian kid from church. He read his chapters. He did his homework. And the very first meeting, I'll never forget it, we got to a certain part and it says, have someone pray for something, you know. And so I had the Christian kid do it because I thought, this kid's never prayed in his life, so I didn't want to put him on the spot. And so the other guy did it, and he's a great young man. I'm not trying to put him down, but he's just been through discipleship and everything. And so he had other things, and he's talking about ministry and everything, but like, yeah, but you're not, I do this. But we got to the end of that first uh, discipleship course, and it's time to close in prayer. And I said, okay, let's close in prayer. And I thought, oh, I'm supposed to be discipling, not doing everything. Well, this Joel had already prayed, so I said, uh, Jonathan, do you want to close in prayer? And he said, okay. What do I say? And see, he, he, he caught me. What am I supposed to tell him? So I said, oh, you know how we learned that this week we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer? I said, maybe just start with that. And he said, where's that found again? I said, it's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And so he's fishing around in his Bible. So I helped him get there. And there he read. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our day. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. And I told him, pray in Jesus' name. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In, in Jesus' name, amen. And I said, that was great. He just read. But this is discipleship. Jesus said, in this manner, pray. Teach them to obey what I've commanded you. In this manner, therefore, pray. Teach them to obey. And here's this guy, never been to church in his life, praying what Jesus said to pray. He's becoming Jesus' disciple. We went through that. These guys did great. We got done with the five weeks, and then we got busy finishing up Jesus' disciple. We launched it and all this. And guess what? Three different times I've seen this young man. And he asks me every time, when are we getting back together to start our group again? You see? Still wants to read his Bible, still wants to follow, still wants to learn. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus didn't say, I'll follow you around. Jesus said, follow me. He's following. He's asking. 
And now this busy guy has to figure out how I make time for him. And so you know what I'm doing? I've been saying, who do you know that can meet with us? Oh, I'm going to make him a fisher of men. Oh, don't let me do all the fishing. Oh, no, Jesus doesn't let me get away with letting him do all the fishing. No, who do you know? How about your friends? Do you think they'd, any of them would want to join us? Well, I don't know. I don't. Well, I know. I know what being 14 is like. I was the same way. I said, but you know what? I want you to pray. Do, do you think they need Jesus? Yeah. Then pray. Pray. Do you see how this works? It's just step by step. But I'm telling you, there are people out there. Jesus is saying, the fields are white. The fields are white. So, let's see. This, I think this is going to be the last story that I tell. But these are true stories. Oh, yes, it is going to be the last story that I tell because I'm going to tell this other one first. Because <laughs> I got to tell you this, and this is a quick one, though. One, one of the guys in our church, when we launched, started launching outside church like this, I didn't know, I didn't know he'd done this till later. But he, uh, but he said, Pastor Jerry, I, I'm going to Mexico uh, and I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, you remember when you started teaching us to do house churches and things outside? He said, well, my family needed it. And they're in Mexico. And they're all Catholic. None of them were saved. And so when you said that, instead of having a group in our home, I, I asked them, hey, can we meet on Zoom and, and once a week and study the Bible? And they said, yes. So he said, we started studying, and they all got born again. <laughs> They're all now followers of Jesus. And he said, I'm, I'm going because I'm going to go baptize my family. The fields are white. And if we don't watch it, we'll just do church in a building and let the fields rot. But we can't. Jesus said, no, go make disciples. Out there, they're out there, but we have to do this. So we are gearing up for this. This, this is the end. Uh, Hardy was telling us the other day that Paul, right in the middle of Philippians, said, finally, my brethren, then writes as much as he had already written, you know. <laughs> we, so we're, we're gearing up and doing beta testing on Jesus' disciple. And so we, we asked young adults, oh, I got to say this. Did you know? that you guys were a part of the design of Jesus' disciple? You knew that, didn't you? Let me tell you why. You sent an ambassador from Foursquare WA to California, and Liam Cullum, Cullen shows up in California. You know, he'd written ahead and said, I'm coming early for the connection out there. And... Is there anybody that has a place to stay? And so, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Foursquare, brother and Lord, come on. So we, we got him a place and such. Well, he shows up right at the time where we already had a research and development team that had been working for months and praying about this, getting the right design. We thought we need a next-gen research and development team. This must work for young adults and for teenagers. And so we put together a next-gen uh, R&D team. And guess who shows up in time for the first meeting? Liam. He sits in there. 
He catches it. He already knows OSL, so he already knows discipleship. He catches it, and he starts giving input to it and helps us to shape this thing so that it reaches the young. This is Foursquare WA in the middle of Jesus' disciple right at the right time when we were just designing it to be what it is. So one of the things we did there is we asked some young adults. We said, we need some people to beta test this and to get people, you know, that are not really churchy disciple people, but people that, the kind of people that Jesus wants to reach. And so this one guy named Ray, he said, yeah, I know God wants me to do it. And he came back and he said, man, I'm, honestly, I'm scared because he said, the two guys that God put on my heart, not walking with Jesus, they're partiers. And he said, but I, I keep feeling like that's who God wants me to ask. And this is something that we teach too, that unlike how we've done this in Western world where we preach the gospel to somebody, we lead them to Jesus, have them say the sinner's prayer and such, and then we start discipleship. And Jesus didn't do it like that. He just said, follow me. You may not believe yet. You may not be convinced yet. You may not be able to articulate your faith. But when I speak, does it do something inside of you? Follow me. And in the process, you believe. And we'll baptize you. And we'll get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And so this is what Ray said. Ray said, can I, can I ask these guys? They're not... They don't know anything about this. We said, well, is the Lord telling you to do it? I think so. So he asks them. And they start saying, what is it? You know, unbelievers, right? What? What is it? And so he's trying to explain it without explaining it. You know, you don't want to explain it. Because, well, hey, you lose your life, you know. You, you die daily in Christ, you know. <laughs> right? Everything you're doing now, you're not going to get to do any of that anymore. You know, you don't really want to explain all of that, right? You just want to say, well, you know, it's, it's where we studied the Bible. And, and so anyway, they're going back and forth, and then they're texting back and forth. And finally, one of the guys, and excuse the language, and I won't really say it, but here's, he showed it to one of our pastors. Finally, one of the guys says, F it, let's do it. We got excited about that. <laughs> How many of you know that's who we're after? Yeah. Isn't that right? He doesn't know what he's getting into. And so Ray sits at a park on a park bench with these two guys and his little phone and starts going through and then shows the video on his phone. And he realized, oh, man. The speaker is not quite loud enough for a park, you know, so they were all leaning in to hear how this works and what they're going to be doing, that we're going to be reading a chapter of the Bible every day. But there's some other chapters that we recommend you read. And then we're going to listen to a couple of messages every week. But there's some other messages that we recommend, but it's not required, you know. And so anyway, one of the guys said, uh, you know what, I think I'm going to read it all, like the recommended and every, everything. And the other guy said, Oh, dude, I'm just reading like what you have to read. <laughs> and so here he's got these two guys. But listen to this. But they're both saying they'll do it. Do you see, like, Ray is, like, tripping out, like, I cannot even believe these guys are going to do this. Like, why would they do this? He does not understand what he's doing, but Jesus is leading him to ask them to follow. And then 
he gets to the part of prayer. And uh, he says, do one of you guys want to pray for this? And they look at each other, you know, neither of them have ever prayed. They look at each other, and one guy said, I'll pray. And so it was a part about where we re read a hero story from just a short story, Voice of the Martyrs, somebody standing for Jesus in the, midst, in the face of persecution. And we just read it and we ask this question, what can we learn from this story? And then we pray for two things. Pray for God to protect his people around the world. And then pray that we stay strong following Jesus. And so we get to that and so this guy says, uh, something like this, I, we don't know the exact words. God, God, that you protect people and help us to be strong. Amen. And then as soon as he said amen, he goes, sorry, I never prayed before. <laughs> and Ray said, oh, that was great. That was great. We're just talking to God. Teaching them to obey. Not perfectly. And here are these guys that nobody takes a chance on to even ask to follow are following and they're coming along and they get a few weeks into the five weeks and Ray says to them you know I got a house church at my house I don't know if you guys want to visit and check it out and so they said yeah we'll check it out and they came and they were blown away ah these guys are like us like they're following you know they're studying the Bible and you guys sing songs and they loved it. And they came back. And then they got to the end and they did the graduation and these guys are now following Jesus and they're reading their Bible and they're hearing God. And one of them said to Ray, hey, you know what? I'm gonna start a house church with my family because they need this. Guess which one it was? It was the one who said, I'm just reading the bare minimum. But he was so impacted by the word of God that he said, I'm starting a house church with my family. Do you see what I'm saying? We just have to trust Jesus. We're so comfortable. I am. I'm comfortable on a stage. People like you. Oh, I like people like you. You're nice to me. Man, at my church, I walk down the hall, Pastor Jerry. Pastor Jerry, oh, Pastor, oh, Pastor Jerry, oh. Your messages, oh, oh. Or I listen to you every day. And then I go to my neighborhood, and there's a neighbor walking by, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I could. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, don't give me the time. Say hello, you know? They look at me like, who's this old ball guy? And I want to say, this is Pastor Jerry. Don't you know who I am? They don't have any idea who I am. And so in my heart, I'm scared, you know, and I'm, I'm insecure. And it takes more faith for me to step out of the boat in my own neighborhood than it does at the church. No matter how many hundreds or thousands of people there are. This takes faith, but this, this is called the fields. And let me close with this verse. Jesus said in Luke 10 too, and I love it from the NASB. You know, the NASB is, uh, to many scholars, the gold standard of translations. Not to everybody, but to many scholars, 
the NASB, they just consider that the gold standard. Mm -hmm. But listen to the way this says it. I think Nat, Nat, wake up. No, I'm just kidding you. She's got, look at her, man, you're on it. Okay, watch this. And Jesus was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. This is Jesus who died for the whole world, who's telling us, if you don't pray as the ambassadors, heaven won't move and do it. I'm putting you in charge, but I'm asking you not to just do it from your, you know, the back of your throat to your mouth and that's it. And that's as deep as it goes. He said, will you put your heart into it? Will you call out to the Father with everything you've got? Plead with the Lord of the harvest. Why? Because the Father's reluctant? No. But see, Jesus also knows if you don't get involved in this with me and feel the gravity of the situation, then after you pray the Lord to send them, you won't go find them and train them. You have to feel this. You have to realize this is urgent. And while you're pleading with this, to, with the Father to send them, the Lord is preparing your heart so that when you go, you see and you find them. This young man's, Jonathan's mom, is a person of peace. She's a laborer. She's a gatherer. Kimberly and I know it. We picked her off. We know it. And she is getting close. When I first asked, hey, how, what do you think? What if I got to with some of you and we studied the Bible every week? She goes, no, I don't think so. I mean, just like that. No, I don't think so. But I'm not done with her yet. Jesus is not done with her yet. So the other day she comes by. Just with the, the day we were leaving, actually, she drove by. And she stopped, rolled down her window. I said, hi, Trang, how are you doing? I walked over to see her. And, and she said, oh, not too good. One of my coworkers, he died. He has some kind of stroke, something. And we, then we call 911 and we think he okay. And then that night he died. And she said, everybody's shaking up. Don't you know? The Lord had her pull up right then to say that to me for a reason. I said, oh, that's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. And this is why, Trang, we need to be ready. This is why we need to be ready. And this is why I've been praying for you. And Jesus has your number. He loves you. And she said, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, no, I don't think so. It was, yeah, yeah, okay. And before we finished that conversation, she did something she's never done before. She said, give me a hug. And so I'm sitting there, okay, here's this lady in a car. And like neighbors can look out the window. And give me a hug, you know. But Kimberly knows she's never done that before. But something's going on in her heart, see. And she feels the love of Jesus from me. She's not wanting me. She senses who I represent. And she knows there's something I get from you that I'm not getting from other people. It's love and truth. 
And so I reached in and gave her a hug. And I said, you know, when we get back, you know, she goes, we need to have dinner again. She always asks us to come have dinner. She's drawn to us. So like I think Jeff said earlier, don't be discouraged if it takes time. It's not taking time because you're necessarily doing anything wrong. But God's working on people. Bow your head with me. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right where you are. Uh, would you have a moment with Jesus? Jesus, this is what I hear you saying. We're all following him. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them is like a man who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the storm came and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it couldn't shake it, for it was founded on the rock. We've had storms, but I think most of us would suspect that there are some other storms coming to the world. And Jesus is solidifying us by telling us, this is what you need to do. And you're going to have to trust me. Follow me and I'll show you. So Lord, I pray that each person, each individual, each believer here, each precious leader, Lord, thank you for the precious leaders oh, who have laid their lives down, already sacrificed to serve the role that you've called them to. Oh, bless them. You're not unjust to forget their labor of love. Bless them, Lord. Surround them with people who will support them and partner with them in unity. And Lord, lead each church and each pastoral team to know what to do. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name over Foursquare WA that there will be breakthrough in this coming year. Break out in this coming year. In the name of Jesus, Lord, it may not have to be everywhere at the same time, but Lord, just break out somewhere and then help all of us to find your path for us in our ministries that we may go from glory to glory, that we may go from 30-fold to 60-fold and from 60-fold to 100-fold. And Jesus, we trust you. You said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. We encourage you to allow this message and the Word of God to sink in and make a difference in your everyday life. To know more about our church, check us out online at northsidechurch.com.au.